Okay, good morning. Another Saturday morning. Finished off breakfast. Finished playing around with the Google Home. I think last time we left off, uh, we were coming up on the big day, uh, wedding day. So let's go back in that time and try to remember. So what date was the your actual wedding? That was on June the 8th, 1957. I ought to re remember because I'm reminded of it often enough. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it was a great day, and uh, uh, considering the time and circumstances, because, uh, well, your wedding day is always a great day, but uh, the way it was at the time, uh, uh, an experience that I could have never imagined what it would be like. I never thought much, well, I thought about it, of course, what would it be like, but then without any further ado, because... Um, I I couldn't really picture what it would be like. Uh, your hopes and the reality are never the same. And uh, well, tell us about it. What was the, what was the what did your day entail? What did you do first thing in the morning? Um, the first thing in the morning, at the time, it was customary that um, you would well you would not sleep under the same roof. Mm. Uh, uh, at all while you were going out, but especially if there was an exception on your wedding day or the the night before the wedding, you would not sleep under the same roof. But bad news, mm -hmm. that was the popular yeah. superstition, and uh, at least I think it is. But uh, so I was in Whitby in our apartment, and. Uh, one night it was because uh, how how can you sleep being that far away? Mm -hmm. uh, my thoughts were not in Whitby, but I was. And early in the morning I get up and get ready and uh, constantly thinking, did I forget this, did I forget that? And uh, well, no matter what, uh, we'll get married. So I went to Keel Street and uh, there is my bright to be and uh so you guys met before the ceremony um yes we were at um yeah we we were because because i i'm not sure now i thought that i went to keel street and from there we went to the church in uh in weston there was a catholic church and that's where we got married Okay. And uh, so, who, uh, just just kind of go over who was in the wedding party. Uh, my friend Ted Bardul. Ted Bardul. He was, was the best man. Okay. And his sister, um, uh, his sister was the the maid of honor. Mm. And uh, is it funny that I can't think of her name right now? But it'll come up somewhere. Oh, else. Uh, at, at some point, yeah, and uh, uh, so the people that we knew uh, was it just the two in the wedding party then? Uh, well, in the yeah. well, there, there was uh, Ria was okay. uh, Agnes and Casper's uh, youngest child, yep. daughter, and uh, she was the the flower girl. Okay, and 
I don't know if there was a ring bearer. That maybe that wasn't done at the time, or mm -hmm. uh, we didn't. I never saw too many weddings back home anyway. Okay. And uh, and this would have been different, bit different yeah. because this was Canadian style, and back home is different. Yeah. Anyway, we uh, we go into the church and. Uh, and he was, I think, a little ways up, sitting or standing in in the seat, mm -hmm. in in a bench. Yep. Yeah. And uh, then I, no, I was, and she came walking up yeah. and joined me, and then we walked together to the altar, mm -hmm. where we had to kneel on special benches, mm -hmm. and. Uh, well, after a few minutes and the noise settled down, the ceremony started. I really don't remember too much of a detail of it anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, let's say I was preoccupied. This was just, for me, it was just a formality. Mm -hmm. But, uh, and it's not that I took it uh, lightly. Mm -hmm. I knew this, the the seriousness of it, because uh, it was forever, as long as you live, mm -hmm. and uh, and I I meant it. Uh, so, yeah, it uh, it turns out that yes, we took that both quite serious, yeah. and not necessarily all the time, but it turns out we <laughs> we did, yeah. and uh, uh, then after the ceremony, there were a few pictures, but. No official photographer or anything right. that that was beyond the budget, and that was uh, because it was very tight. We weren't yeah. going to get into a big debt just to get yeah. married, and there was no need for it. It, it is about the, the 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 purpose of getting married. That is the the focal point of it all. Yeah. So we go back to Agnes's place and just a question on the church before we go far. How many people? Showed up for the wedding, or roughly how many people? Because I know you've, uh, Handy's got, uh, almost got some family over there. You have no one else on your immediate family. No, I there. had my friend and his sister. Right, okay. Uh, but uh, no, uh, it was the Leo Vason was also uh, uh, boarding there. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, Leo, uh, he used to go out with uh, Mia and his uh, uh, girlfriend that she mm -hmm. came over with. Yep. And then there was Matt and Shirley, they were married, and yep. then Joe and Nelly, they right. were married. Yep. And, uh, and, and because of all that, that's why we were there. Yep. And so now everybody all of a sudden got married all yep. within a couple of months, about a few months. And uh, uh, it was maybe a dozen people, okay. uh, including uh, Agnes and Casper's kids. Immediate family? Uh, immediate family, that's yeah. because uh, that was all the family there was, yeah. which was quite a bit because they all had to come from Honeyside. I didn't have anybody yeah. here, except of course, and uh, that was not family, but very good friend, yeah. Ted. And yeah. And they say so. And uh, 
So you got married, you had some pictures taken, then you said you went back to Keel Street? We went to Keel Street, yeah. And that's where we had... Oh, we had a... We had bought a, a, a wedding cake. Mm -hmm. It was a two-tier wedding cake. And there was a guy in tuxedo and a girl with a white wedding dress mm. uh, standing on top of the cake. And uh, it was made to last, I mean that cake. Mm. It sat on our fridge in the apartment they went before well over a year. Mm. It never got eaten because we didn't want to cut it on the wedding day because it was such a pretty cake. It's a shame. You know, I wouldn't eat the first piece because that would be almost sinful. Mm -hmm. So we took the whole thing up. I don't know what the couple, where the couple went that sat on the top. I have to ask at some time. Yeah. And, uh, but I remember coming home and there we are on top of the cake yeah. uh, for quite a while. And uh, uh, so everybody stayed there and we had uh, maybe a glass of wine or beer and we had lots of pie of different varieties because where honey comes from, uh, pie is the big thing. And uh, every female and plus some males would know how to make pie mm -hmm. because that was a typical Limburg kind of uh, celebration item. Right. And uh, uh, I don't know how much of it got uh, consumed, but I know that uh, when I when we went to Whitby that night, uh, and it wasn't all that late, uh, I wasn't hungry. So uh, when we got to Whitby, uh, we stayed there until Monday morning. Mm -hmm. And uh, then we went to Kingston on our honeymoon. Oh, okay. And uh, the first thing we did, we got into Kingston. It, uh, we may have stopped on the way for a coffee sometime, somewhere. No, we, we did stop for breakfast. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know where anymore, but we got to Kingston and we looked for a motel to stay for a few days. Mm -hmm. And uh, we found the Bluebird Motel. Mm -hmm. I don't remember the number even, I don't. Mm -hmm. But I know we, we were there and uh, the first thing we did is, because we heard so much about the Thousand Islands, mm -hmm. Uh, let's go on that boat and tour the Thousand Islands. So uh, we got there and we got on board and uh, well it was totally different than the boat that we came over on. A little smaller? It was a little bit smaller, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it was a fantastic trip. I could, I thought, well, what an exaggeration, Thousand Islands. Uh, but okay, uh, everybody has a right to brag about mm -hmm. their country. How would I know at that time how I would feel about Canada as time went on? Mm -hmm. uh, now I find that uh, thousands, uh, maybe you didn't count them all. So, but we were going around these islands from one to the other and there was somebody on the speaker explaining and when you look to your left, and you see this island and this guy and he, and then they explained everybody, 
everything about him. And he built that villa and he is the only one occupying that island. They talk about the kids he had and uh, the whole family history before he is actually done. Or And then to your right, there is this other island and they just weave through them. Mm-hmm. And they're far enough apart, but but you got to give them time to explain. And the boat was not top speed. Yeah. And uh, there was somebody else and there were barons and lords and Lord knows what. And it was extremely interesting. And and I remember thinking by myself, wouldn't it be something if someday, we, well, we're in Canada, maybe someday we can have one of those islands after mm-hmm. all. A thousand islands that's and, and not everybody is interested in living on an island by themselves yep. you know your childhood dreams mm-hmm. so uh um, yeah i remember that mind you i'd never been on any of them mm-hmm. uh, although i at that time would have loved to have lived on one yeah and especially when you first get married imagine you know uh, uh, yeah all you need is a dog to 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 check the borders of the island mm-hmm. and you're home free but uh no that was never to be mm-hmm. but um uh, we toured it and on the boat there was this elderly couple they were retired and their names was mr and mrs pierce mm-hmm. p e a r c e and they were from Chicago. Somehow we got to talking to them. And I think Mrs. Pierce was the one that started to talk. And must have bothered her to see that poor young thing getting married to that guy. And uh, maybe she isn't even old enough to get married. Mm-hmm. And uh, why does she have to stick so close? And uh, I don't know what was wrong, but somehow she got kind of overprotective. And, well, uh, Annie always was looking a lot younger than her age. Mm. And uh, even today, uh, uh, so many years later, she still looks younger than mm. her real age, uh, 85 today, at the time. Uh, it was 22, and uh, the it was uh, as if she needed to watch that I wouldn't start acting funny and mm-hmm. doing things that is improper to this innocent girl. That yeah. uh, because she saw uh, right through you is what you're saying. Uh, <laughs> she assessed her dead on. Yeah. Uh, well, yes, I uh, I admit that she probably did, but that could be the voice of experience too, because uh, she would uh, she looked younger than her husband too, but they were very nice people, and we stayed in touch, and we were talking and traveling more or less together until we got off the boat, mm-hmm. and exchanged addresses because I gave our Whitby address and. So the time came uh, in 59 mm-hmm. that uh, we discovered that there is the first pregnancy. 
And, of course, we know the fight. Mr. and Mrs. Pierce, and uh, we are starting a family now. And uh, according to the doctor in October, November, we will have the first child. And at that time, of course, nobody knew beforehand what it was going to be, yeah. except the baby. And uh, so when the time came and we also let them and our uh, baby had been born and the same as the notification to everybody. Yeah. So you kept in touch with them? Okay, all through. Okay. Funny thing, uh, no more than a couple of weeks uh, after she got home from the hospital from Oshawa and uh, there is a parcel. And it was the most beautiful dress because we announced the birth of our baby girl, Sonia. And uh, um, they picked out the dress and they sent that. And that is how uh, a sign of uh, feeling uh, very easy, very befriended, mm -hmm. so to speak. And uh, even though we were just newlyweds, and yeah. they were retired people. And you just met on a boat ride. And yeah, just uh, uh, and just because Annie was uh, looking so young and innocent, yeah. and I was the big bad wolf. Well, you that, probably looked like you'd be a hooligan and probably didn't have any two coins to rub together, so she felt bad uh, dress. Maybe that's why. You uh, you <laughs> might be right on both scores. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I... Uh, uh, yeah, we had a nice, beautiful trip there. Yeah, but getting yeah. back to Kingston, yeah, I. Uh, <laughs> it was uh, later on in the day, because a thousand dollars is yep. still quite a trek, and uh, we went to some restaurant in Kingston and we had our supper, and then we went back to freshen up or whatever you call it to the motel. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then decided when we were there, let's take in a movie. Mm -hmm. So we went to a movie, which may not be uh, the, 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 a wedding idea. Mm -hmm. uh, like, well, although it was already a couple of days after the wedding. Yep. But uh, so we took in the movie and went back to the motel. And then we woke up the next day. Uh, I don't know what time it was, and it doesn't matter. Uh, we had to have breakfast. So uh, we went out and had breakfast in some restaurant. So we, what are we going to do for the rest of the day? And uh, do you know anything? I said, well, I, I already checked, because we talked about Kingston and that way for honeymoon. And uh, the honeymoon was planned a little bit different than it turned out. Uh, so uh, I said there is Old Fort Henry and I was impressed because of everything that was there that you could see See, we went through a war with all the modern stuff right. in our childhood mm -hmm. but this was war as it was fought so many years ago maybe a hundred or more years ago mm -hmm and the cannon and all the other stuff. And then the dress of the the guard that was standing there. So and just to, for people in context that don't know, 
what is old Fort Henry? Just some background. Uh, it was the uh, I think it was built uh, to for Canada to defend against the Americans. They had, I believe, it was connected to that war or that tension between Canada and the U.S. Back in eighteen, you're talking about the eighteen twelve area. Yeah, in. Uh, so it's a good hundred years. Yeah. But anyway, that uh, uh, it was extremely interesting, and they had Canon. They had these holes, and well, Kingston is right on Lake Ontario, yeah. and uh, uh, at the time, I I was not that up to date uh, with the uh, Canadian American history mm. when it comes to their wars and yeah. what have you. Uh, I made myself familiar with it because actually after touring Old Fort Henry, I got extremely interested in the history of Canada. Ultimately, I had already decided this is my country now right. and I will become Canadian. And so I got to know the history and uh, I made myself as familiar as I could to understand. And uh, uh, so that uh, uh, Old Fort Henry was a, a, a very nice, uh, very nice start mm -hmm. to learn that. And we went to see a few other things. And uh, then at night we had supper and well, let's go back to the motel. So we went back and then mother started to cry. Honey started to cry. Mm -hmm. I'm so used to saying mother or mom. And uh, I said, what's the matter? She said, I'm homesick. I thought, holy mackerel, we just got married. <laughs> and you're homesick. I said, homesick? I said, but you said it's either I go home or we get married. I said, why do you think we're here? And she said, yeah, but I want to go to Whitby. Oh, oh. Homesick for Whitby, yeah. Uh, she was homesick for Whitby. She was more or less homesick for uh, setting up shop, yeah. uh, getting our own family. We get our, we are on our own. We stick our feet under our table yeah. and we sleep in our bed. And that, not only that, it is our bed and we sleep under the same blanket. Mm. Well, now that is, uh, <laughs> oh no, no, that's great. That's great. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go home. So honeymoon cut short, wedding life starts. Uh, oh, definitely. And uh, so we had, uh, we went to Keel Street to visit yeah. Agnes and Casper. One of the few times, maybe only a couple of times, that we uh, uh, that we visited them there on Peel Street, because meanwhile, while the wedding and all was going on, that period around that, Casper yeah. had bought Casper Darkness yeah. had bought this cottage in Fairport Beach. Oh, okay. And it was, yeah, it was a cottage, and Fairport Beach was a cottage village mm -hmm. for people from Toronto. They had their cottage there and. Well, that was not too. F you could get cottages up north, but 
why would you if you can have one in Lake Ontario? Right. And uh, the, the, the people that sold it, they could get more for it than they could get out of it. And if they wanted to go there for holidays, mm -hmm. there were lots of them that you could rent in the summertime, but these people, they decided they were going to sell the cottage. Right. So uh, we came there and yeah, uh, uh, this is here and that is there. And we even have a garage that was at the other end of the lot, uh, maybe uh, 100 feet away. Uh, an old wooden garage, but the garage nevertheless. And uh, so we looked around, they had big trees along the, the road there, it was very cozy little village. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, she, uh, we, 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 were, we were having a great time changing what happened. See, that things started to happen for us as a family, right. even though we had no kids, yeah. and they, their family. Mm. And uh, it wasn't, I think, the year after when Annie's second oldest sister and her husband uh, came to Canada, uh, yeah. Lou and Gert. Lou and Gert. Lou, yeah, Gert, Lou Gert, and Gert. Gert, yeah. And they had three kids. And, uh, well, uh, Lou had to get work and, uh, uh yeah, we gather was, uh, as was typical in those days, mm -hmm. looked after the kids and all right. And Joe had already moved to Whitby. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so, and Matt, he was living in Toronto somewhere yeah. because he was working at his computer place. Canadian Underwriters, mm. I believe it was called. And uh, so Martha Shirley lived there. But for Agnes and Casper, they, uh, everybody, like the accent is Whitby or that area. Yeah. There's industry, there is a lot of industry and not that many people. So they want to move close by. That is how they ended up going to Fairport Beach because Fairport was more or less halfway between Whitby and Casper's work okay. in uh, Don Mills. Mm. And uh, so that was an ideal spot. And uh, so that's where everybody on Saturday and or Sunday would come to Agnes's place. Okay. And uh, so that was kind of the, the big hub. That was the, the, yeah, that was the, the family uh the the sweet drop in center yeah. literally translated mm -hmm. as we would call it in Dutch and uh we would all get together and they got to know their neighbors uh and there was one who was Dutch uh, John Hayes and his wife and they had four five six kids mm -hmm. and uh they came over quite regularly because they had no family or nothing husband, wife, and children. Mm -hmm. That was the family unit. That's all they knew. Yeah. Then there was one more Dutch family in Fairport, and that was called Schreien, Franz and Thea Schreien, mm -hmm. and they were from The Hague. And uh, I think John Hayes was from 
the rent or overhead from back home. Anyway, uh, Schreier used to be a photographer of all things in The Hague and Thea, she was very well educated and she started uh, and so she had real uh, zip mm -hmm. and she started a Dutch paper yeah. and uh, in Scarborough mm -hmm. and we got to know them very well and Frans had a brother in Canada too uh, when he was younger but anyway they were the Dutch people that they got to know and they come stopping in and we sit outside they had lots of grass and we sit there uh, talking about well getting getting to know each other more or less mm -hmm. what did you do back home and where did you live and yeah. you know the regular stuff how at that time of course the war was not over that long mm -hmm. and uh, maybe a good 10 years but mm -hmm. uh, so how was it during the war for you how was it for you and uh, of course you have the odd beer uh, not every uh, every time, but uh, but there was always coffee and there was always pie, mm -hmm. and I loved the way Agnes made the pie. Okay. Favorite pie? Uh, uh, oh, the uh, plum. Plum pie. Yeah, red, uh, the red plums, mm -hmm. and uh, Agnes uh, did some cleaning for a lady in Whitby mm -hmm. who lived next street over from where we had the apartment, mm -hmm. and our landlord did the gardening there and he got her to do that cleaning job there yeah. and that was uh, Mr. and Mrs. West he was an electrical engineer who also uh, worked as uh, Niagara Falls when they built the first generating station hydroelectric plant yeah and uh, yeah yeah the, uh, and I walked underneath the water coming down one time when my Brother Theo was over, and uh, the, oh, this was a real big thing. He loved, and I, yeah, you see the the waterfall. He would show pictures, mm -hmm. and then my brother Harry, yeah, Theo tells me he he walked under the water, but it's easy lying when you're far away from home. <laughs> I said he wasn't lying because we got a waterproof coat, a plastic coat, and we walked under it, and the noise. The noise was just deafening. Yeah. But he said, when I come to Canada, I want to see that. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, he did eventually. But at the time, it was not allowed anymore to go walk under it because some rocks had come, and come loose and mm. the danger of them coming over, well, they would have killed people. Yeah. And uh, But anyway, Theo had been there. That was the big thing. Mm. And... Uh, uh, but we talked, we talked about that, and the plum pie, I remember coming back, I don't know what I had to do or why I was in Toronto, but on the way back from Toronto, I always stopped in the Fairport Beach, mm -hmm. and if I was on afternoon shift or night shift, I had all day to myself, yeah. and Agnes being home alone because the kids were in school, Casper yeah. is at work, and while well, she was kind of homesick, and while well, she liked to talk her own language, mm -hmm. 
And she did. She actually talked her own dialect, which I was just beginning to get used to. Mm. And uh, because it's totally different, it's more like German than our than my dialect. So I would stop in there, and uh, oh hi Agnes, yeah I just come back from Toronto, and I thought I'll stop in for a minute. Oh that's nice. Uh, you like a cup of coffee? Well why do I ask? She already was on the way to port because mm -hmm. I never said no to coffee, and not even at bedtime. So. Uh, I just finished making the pie. I said, I can smell that, but I don't know what kind. It's plum pie. You like plum pie? I said, do I like to live? And uh, yeah, I don't mind. So she gave me a piece, and it was just a little bit shy of a quarter of the pie. In no time, <laughs> and it was so good. And uh, well, I couldn't stop eating it. The thing was just like drugs. You, you have to have more and more. And then, how was it? Oh boy, that, you want another piece? Well, if I, uh, if you don't mind, and what she knew, she already gave me a big wedge. Yeah. Then she cut another piece off, and that was almost half a pie. And she looked at it and took the plate and put it in front of me here, eat the whole thing. And damn it if I didn't. I ate the whole pie. And uh, ever since, the, that was my my favorite pie. And plum pie. Plum pie. Red plum pie. And she made them, cut them in half, took the stone out and the cut side up, mm. and then sprinkled sugar over top. And it. Well, I don't even want to think about it because she can't make it anymore. She's long. That and a very nice lady, and uh, that was quite often uh, when I stopped. She always had pie, always. Mm -hmm. And I come in. Oh, you're coming in for coffee and pie? No, that's not what I come in for. I thought I'd just come say I am close by, but since you mention it, I wouldn't mind. Uh, well, she made the opening. Mm -hmm. It's actually that opened the door to let me in, mm -hmm. and I grabbed the opportunity. I still remember the plum pie, even if it was strawberry, raspberry, or mm -hmm. cherry, or whatever, apple, and oh, they were, oh, they were terrific. And uh, then one time, Gasper said, well, you know how it is with these cottages, and I don't know if you've ever seen that outside wall, but the cottage is leaning. Mm -hmm. I said, well, I'm going to have to kind of push it over, jack it over, and put reinforcement in. And uh, yeah, well, there is no basement underneath. I said, no, it's a crawl space. Yeah, but why didn't they, why didn't they dig a basement? I said, well, that's a lot of digging. For the couple of times a year that they come here to go to the lake, mm -hmm. and uh, it's, a, it's just a cottage, but, uh, you can get a machine and it'll dig that out. And Casper said, well, how much is that machine going to cost? I said, well, I don't know. But it digs the, the dirt out and it goes on the belt on the truck and the truck takes the dirt away. And we checked it out and anyway, it was a ridiculous price. 
And no wonder, because that's a lot of work and specialized equipment yeah. that they had lots of at the time, because a lot more cottages wanted uh, basements. But Casper said, no. He said, I'll do it myself. I looked at him and I said, Casper, I said, do you know you, you can't even stand up. You got a trap door right beside the steps. You can go in there maybe two feet and then you have dirt that is a good feet away from the ceiling of your living room. Now, how in the hell are you? He says, I worked in the mines, remember? I said, yeah, but he says, do you think that this topsoil is harder to dig than the, the coal in the coal mines mm -hmm. and the stone, because stone and, and the seam of coal, yeah. they were intermixed. And uh, I thought, well, yeah, but that is ungodly. I said, well, I, I don't mind to take the wheelbarrow and bring it to the back. I said, I'm not going to come in there. Oh, no, he said, you don't have to. He says, I have the next wheelbarrow full by the time you're back. And uh, indeed, he did. Mm -hmm. So I hauled it out, and uh, it didn't take long, and there was enough room to... There was no floor yet, and uh, we are getting to the point where the foundation is not deep enough, but we didn't go the full seven feet right. or so, uh, just enough that when you bent over, you had extra storage space, and we were going to, we were going to, uh, a cement floor in. Of course, we never did, because we got a, f a central, like uh, uh, an oil furnace, Mm -hmm. suspended from that floor and uh, then the the wall was dug and we only went halfway because that was enough but at least you could get underneath mm -hmm. and we dug one spot so you could call to the front if there was any wiring that had to come right. and uh, so the, we put a little bit of a, a brick wall against the dirt so that the foundation when wouldn't uh, push in, yeah. just like a retainer wall. Mm -hmm. And uh, well, and for the plumbing, it was a lot easier to fix the plumbing or add to the plumbing. So that it was a necessity. But that was quite a, quite a chore. Yeah. And then Casper said, well, do you know that these cottages only have 40 amp services? I said, yeah, well, that's all they needed. All they need is uh, a few lights and mm -hmm. enough power in the one or two plugs mm -hmm. for a coffee pot or something. I says, uh, if they were uh, rich enough, they might have had a dryer and a washing machine doesn't take much. A dryer takes considerably. He said, well, that's the thing. He says, that dryer stuff. And he says, I have the clothesline. I think I still have the picture with the clothesline. Mm -hmm. Going from the house to that wooden garage in the back. Mm -hmm. And Agnes would, every week, she would have all that laundry on that clothesline. Right. And she could stand on the steps, about three feet high, to go while the, the, the cottages were built a little bit higher. Because it was close to the water and you never know. And... Uh, he said, uh, I wouldn't mind 
to get a bigger service. Mm -hmm. I said, well, what, what would you want to put in there? He says, well, what do you think? He says, that's your trade. I said, well, uh, you, you could put 60 watt in there. That is 50% more than what you got now. But uh, you never know what comes in the future. There may be more demand on that service mm -hmm. than there is now. And you may want to put uh, electricity in the garage. Oh yeah, he says, wouldn't that be something? There was no hydro in the garage, it was too far away. Mm. And uh, it's almost yeah, about as far as my workshop here. So you're looking about 50 feet? Oh yeah, it would be that. Yeah. So anyway, I uh, I said, I, I would say uh, I'll put in the service so uh, all you need to worry about is the material. Mm -hmm. And uh, I can tell you what I need. You can go and buy it, or I can go and buy it, and you give me the money for it. Mm -hmm. And of course, there's no labor, because we're a family. Yeah. And well, uh, your labor's cheap, it just costs a plum pie. <clears throat> uh, I got my money anyway. <laughs> oh, yeah, I had a good hourly rate if I consider the food and the pie and the coffee that I consumed yeah. while I was at it. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to get fussy. So what kind of, sir, what did you I put in a uh, hundred amp. A hundred amp, yeah. Because uh, that was, uh, there was still, uh, 60 amp was normal, in the house even, mm -hmm. but more and more people were getting dryers and they have electric stoves. Mm -hmm. And the, between the two of them, the, uh, you, uh, some sometimes had to uh, don't put on the dryer because I'm cooking. Uh, if they had gas, then it didn't matter. Right. But the dryer and the stove, well, 60 amp, uh, uh, and then both of them are on uh, on 220, so they draw on each face. And uh, so I put in a hundred of them just to be on the safe side. For all the difference it makes, whether you buy a panel that is 60 amp or 100 amp, it doesn't matter. And you don't have to put, that was all fuses at the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, so you don't need to fill all, uh, like put the wire on every fuse opening. Right. You just put the fuse in there. It wouldn't blow because nothing was going through there. But it looks dressed up. Yeah. And uh, so we put that in. And... Uh, did you wire the garage too? Uh, eventually, yeah. Eventually, yeah. But I put that in underground. Mm. Um, I got a, a piece of black plastic hose that, like the, the farmers used to bring water for the sprinkling, yeah. uh, watering the fields, yeah. or the orchard or something. And uh, it was maybe inch and a half, two inches, uh, that pipe. And it came in the court, and Casper, being used to digging, uh, mm -hmm. I said, Casper, if you do dig the trench, then I'll put the, the hose in, mm -hmm. and then we can put uh, the, the cable in. So I got, uh, I got a dryer, yeah, the, the, the wire for the, for the dryer, which was 8-3, uh, 
like it was uh, number eight wire, and it was three uh, three wire like uh, two hots and and the neutral, and then of course the ground. And I kept shoving that in as the hose goes on, and we soon enough we had to because the cable kinks in that hose. We had to pull it out and uh, put the fish tape through because it goes all the time, no matter what. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I put uh, a rope on the fish tape right. for that length. And then we put the one end of the rope to the wire and pull the wire through, bring it up that high because the hose came up about five feet in the garage. And I put the old panel that came out of the house and I put that in the garage and well there was enough power for the lights and uh, and the hose and everything was still there when we had to build the new garage new garage yeah because one night and I have never been able to figure this out because uh, the, the lights were off Casper parked his car in the garage mm-hmm. and walked into the house and then one night the he got up and Agnes Agnes the garage is on fire well you're in the boonies mm-hmm. and the wooden garage and it's on fire and it fortunately it was far, closer to the neighbor's house but far enough away that it would not affect the, the neighbor's house right. and his own was of course farther away yet mm-hmm. so somehow at some point the fire department came in and he had uh, a 19 I think a 49 uh, 49 Chrysler or Buick and it was one with those uh I still see it in front of me. It must have been a Buick because it had cord springs all around. Mm-hmm. And the shock absorbers in the back were gone. And every time when I sat in there drove or sat in there with Casper, uh, you get, we had to go over the railroad track and then go to the 401 mm-hmm. or the baseline. And uh, you get over the railroad and the car would, you get seasick in sitting in the back. <laughs> that is how wavy it was yeah. because the, the, the shock absorbers were shot. And the cord springs will do that. Uh, if it had been leaf spring, you know, they are a lot stiffer. So anyway, uh, that car was in for a replacement because it was way too big. It was a gas guzzler compared to other vehicles. Yeah. And... Uh, and it was caught up in the fire, so... That's and it was in the fire, and the whole garage was a total loss. Yeah. But he had insurance on it, so he got everything paid for. And the hydro was already in. Mind you, the, the plastic hose was damaged, but mm-hmm. I could put another piece on when the new, the, the new garage was built. And that is where Luke came in handy, Mm-hmm. because Lou was a bricklayer. Okay. And instead of a wooden garage, Agnes said, that's never going to happen again. We're going to have to have one other brick. Well, of course, brick. 
that wasn't done in those days. It was too expensive. Mm -hmm. But uh, you can make it out of cement blocks. Well, uh, we didn't have cement blocks back home. At least not that I remember. And uh, so we made it uh, out of cement blocks. Casper, he had the money from the insurance. Mm -hmm. And he ordered the blocks in. They topped them off, I think, uh, Brooklyn Concrete delivered the blocks there. And we got the cement and all, the gravel, the sand. And we had a big mixing box where we mixed the mortar. And then Casper would, whenever he was home, he would bring the cement up on the, eventually, well, he put it on the mortar board to begin with, and then after on the scaffolding, because it had to go eight feet high. And it was running nice and smooth and everything. We made our own drawing for it. We never got a permit for it. We didn't need to worry about those things. And there was a beautiful garage in the end with a steel door in it, not those wooden swing doors, no, a steel door. And you could pull it up and it goes up on top. In, it was one paper, not a, not a roll up, yeah. but the steel door nevertheless. And they painted it up and, oh God, you know, that if you look, nobody back home, not even the doctor has a yeah. garage like that. So uh, yeah, that was quite the thing. Uh, and we put that up. We had some great times and Agnes, of course, made sure there was enough uh, liquid and, and uh, solids to, uh, to satisfy the, the inner person. And, uh, so we, I'm, I'm assuming people kind of congregated there for me. So that would include, like, obviously you and Hanny were there. And, um, well, whenever she could. And uh, Lou and Gerta, so Hanny's uh, sister. sister also. Gerda, yeah. Gerda quite a bit. And then naturally. Uh, yeah, well, Gerda didn't come that much, much because her kids were older. Yeah. And uh, they had to go to school, and uh, Lou was working. Yeah. And, uh, well, uh, what about, like on weekends? Did you on the weekends, that was that was weekend job. Yeah. And what you had then, there even the people in the neighborhood, they come for a little chat, yeah. uh, because they love to talk and we yeah. get together. Yeah. And instead of sitting home, uh, looking at a TV with only four channels, yeah. that only started at a certain hour, and quit at a certain hour, you could go. The mother is always busy with the kids like on Saturday and Sunday. Except John Hayes, he had that religion where on Sunday you wouldn't work. Yeah. And uh, so, but uh, they they would come over and talk and they automatically start helping, mixing the cement, yeah. carrying the blocks, mm. putting them on the scaffolding. Yeah. And we were having a barrel of fun. Yeah. Uh, we actually, I looked forward to going to Fairport Beach mm -hmm to help build that garage. Yeah. Because to be together, I can sit there at home and look TV. Yeah. No, that, that to me was the excitement. Yeah. Not only that on the weekend, most of the time honey could come along. Mm -hmm. And uh, well, she worked oftentimes on the weekends too because she got herself a job in the, uh, in the psychiatric hospital in Whitby. Mm -hmm. That was built 
to look after the soldiers of World War One, oh, okay. who came back shell shocked. And oh, okay, some World War One, yeah. World War One, yeah. The uh, uh, and it was used after for the World War Two ones, mm -hmm. and then it was uh, converted to people that needed psychiatric help right. in the country. And they built a few cottages here and there, more than they they had. But cottages, what you call units, where maybe fifty patients were in there, and uh, they had a couple of attendants who kept them in line or mm -hmm. made sure that everything was going okay. And then they had a number of psychiatrists to look after things. But anyway, that was. Uh, that's where Honey worked in the kitchen, and uh, soon enough, the the chef Frank Hayes he was the boss over the kitchen and everything had to do with food. And uh, Honey went to apply for a job, and he looked up and down, and uh, well, uh, he could tell that her English was uh, still wanting a bit. And uh, but that didn't matter because uh, serving in the in in the in the in where they eat in the cafeteria, in the cafeteria. Uh, they had a couple of cafeterias, but there was a special cafeteria for the doctors. The doctors and the nurses would eat in this one cafeteria mm -hmm. away from all the others where the the other staff would right. go and eat. And uh, so, <clears throat> Honey was, uh, was hired to be, to serve in the doctor's dining room. Mm -hmm. And uh, while well, she had, well, maybe it is a little bit because it's my wife, but she was the type that would actually be more compatible with serving doctors and nurses mm -hmm. and uh and she had that killer smile anyway mm -hmm. so and the doctors they they liked that uh they liked her and she liked being there because it was easier uh to be uh to serve them than to serve the others right. who were quite liberal sometimes in there attitudes, you know, like a, a pinch here and a slap there. And she didn't like that. So uh, uh, that was a, a good employment. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, and the wages were not that big, but they weren't anywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, and for that time, uh, they, they, were, they were great. But then when she uh, got pregnant with the first child, and well, you can only hide for so long mm -hmm. and so much. And well, I'm sorry, but we have to let you go. Uh, after, by all means, you come back, but uh, we can't uh, let you work any longer. You know, safety. Yeah. If something goes wrong with the pregnancy, then they are on the hook. Yeah. So uh, uh, she came home and she got. Uh, I think she got unemployment. I'm not sure how it worked at the time so, anymore. So, but what time would that be? So, what can you put a date on? Oh, that was in 
she started working there, I think in the end of, towards the end of 57, mm. because soon enough, sitting home alone, yeah. and I go working, yeah. she was bored out of her tree, she couldn't drive, and she couldn't go to see Agnes. Yeah. We couldn't uh, drive back and forth right. to bring her, because there. And uh, so, uh, I like to go to work, and then no problem. Yeah. And so, uh, uh, Herms, uh, the landlord's wife, was uh, working in the hospital. Yeah. And uh, why don't you go apply in the hospital? That's yeah. how she got to. She got the job. Yeah. And, so, uh, so she worked there roughly how long, and then. Then she. And then got pregnant. And in fifty, early fifty nine, she got pregnant. Okay. And uh, and that is where she had to stay home, and yep. she went on unemployment. Yep. And then, after the child was born, you got so many weeks, but yep. it was not too many. And uh, then you, my mother probably knows, remembers. I don't know. And, uh, but that was uh, where she worked at the time. Okay, so we're kind of getting up. She's oh. worked at the hospital, kind of, we're, we're going to wrap it up here. Yeah. Right so we're up to about, when was, when was son you born? Uh, on the October the 5th, 1959. Uh, 1959. Right. So she was a bit early, yeah. but... Uh, no, don't spoil it, I'm just trying to get into time. We'll, yeah, we'll yeah. get into that. So. I'm just again. I'll just recap. So we're we're now up until the fall of '59. So you've been in Canada for how many years now? Uh, I got here fifty for five years. Five years, right? Kind of got here, been a few places, married, and some. Oh yeah, I've been several uh, places. Uh, relatives, at least on um, all of side, are all kind of settling in, and uh, we're about to. I hear that having kids changes things. So. That'll probably be the next phase. So we'll, Isn't we'll it get funny that, that they time. always do? Yeah. You know, the influence of kids <laughs> on a marriage, yeah. uh, it's manifold. Yeah. So all right, we'll end it there because we only got a couple minutes left before the, uh, yeah. the tape here runs out. And uh, we'll talk to everyone next uh, Saturday.